Hello, Bursting the Bubble listeners. Today's podcast is an old blog post from about three years ago, right around Mother's Day like it is today. For those of you new to my blog and podcast, you will not be familiar be as familiar with the other grief journeys I am on in my life. There is, of course, the grief I am experiencing because of the loss of our first child, Samantha, 10 years ago. But what I found out after losing our little girl and delving deeper into that grief is that grief does not just exist because of loss of life. There are so many other ways in which we grieve. This podcast and blog post will explain some of those other ways, at least in my life, but perhaps in yours as well, in which we experience loss in this world. For me, I have experienced loss on both sides of motherhood, as my friend once put it. And I know from some of your comments that many of you can relate to this as well. I hope this blog will provide some insight and advice that you will find helpful in your own journeys. My grief counselor once told me something that I will never forget. When you have your own children, you reassess your own life and do one of two things. You become extremely grateful for what your parents did for you, or you begin to grieve. You grieve what you didn't have as a child because you can now see what is possible with your own children. Mother's Day is difficult for me for two reasons. The first is because I lost a child and days like this are, as Emily Chapman Richards wrote in her blog post, April Showers, a megaphone to the silence, a spotlight on the empty spaces. But the second reason is because, simply put, I am not close to my own mother. Both the childhood memories concerning my mother and my ongoing relationship with her are, as Stephen Charleston puts it, layered and difficult. They are also both both lacking important pieces. In one of my earlier blog posts entitled Thingamabob Part 2, I talked about losing my childhood home and some beloved pets when I was in high school. Our home was condemned, our 15 cats were euthanized, and my cocker spaniel had to be given away. My mother's illnesses, hoarding, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety, and depression were the major contributing factors to these losses, and they were traumatic for me and for my family. But there is more to these childhood losses than the animals and the home. While losing my daughter was the catalyst for my newfound interest in the topic of grief, I have since learned it was certainly not my first experience with traumatic loss. As I mourned the loss of my daughter, I began to delve deeper into the many ways in which grief has pervaded my life, even since childhood. There were the animals and my home, for sure but I have also experienced two more traumatic goodbyes due to mental illness. The first is my childhood. I will never get back those formative years that, if yours were like my husband's, can be so sweet and so memorable because I was instead busy being a child of a hoarder. And second, my ongoing relationship with my mother is so messed up and complicated by her mental illness and her unwillingness over the years to listen and attend to my feelings that I'm pretty sure I will never get to have the kind of connection I have yearned for my entire life. Unfortunately, I know there are many out there who have similar childhoods and relationships plagued by loss. 
So I wanted to talk a little bit more about my own experiences and what I'm learning. As you probably know, even if you haven't been through this yourself, these are pretty complicated forms of grief. Therefore, I will only be talking about the first one in this blog post and uh, podcast. A childhood lost to stuff. I remember as a child feverishly trying to clean the cat feces and urine from the litter boxes and the floors of my home. I also took responsibility for the cleaning of other parts of the house, like the kitchen counters, bathrooms, and tabletops, because no one else would. I even remember sneaking stuff into the garbage when my mom was not looking. I thought I could make it better, somehow make my house presentable to the public so that I could finally have friends over. Or maybe I could get rid of all the junk in my mom's office, quote unquote, AKA the bedroom that was stacked neck high with boxes, books, and random items, so I could have my own bedroom. I always had to share with my younger sister and I harbored great plans for how I would design and keep tidy my very own space. But it was too much for one girl. The stuff and the mess just kept coming back. I couldn't sneak it out or clean it up fast enough. Probably in a similar way to children of addicts and prisoners, this shame and guilt I was feeling are symptoms of being a child of a hoarder. As I read in a child of a hoarder blog once, Many of us knew we were different from other kids and had something to be ashamed of. We knew we had something to hide. The guilt comes along for the ride because we are not able to make it better, to save the house from being consumed by stuff. Can you spare a square? Then came the anxiety and stress. My mom was either unable or unwilling, or both, to find a job during most of my childhood. Because of the overspending and the accumulation of things and the single income of my father's community college teacher salary, finances suffered, finally putting us in debt. I remember one night we were out of toilet paper. My sister and I had bladders to burst, so we hopped in our family's van in order to find a stall with a few squares. We had the road virtually to ourselves as we drove under the yellow blinking traffic lights that signaled the lateness of our conquest. We stopped at the first store, took care of our business, and then stood in line with my parents, a package of toilet paper in hand. I remember the shame I felt as we stared disbelievingly at the credit card machine blinking the word denied on its screen. Then I remember the increasing fear as the same scene replayed itself over and over again at each consecutive store we visited during our quest. I think it was a small gas station where we finally found a place that accepted the card somehow, I don't know, and we were able to return home. I didn't have to imagine the same fear my parents were feeling because they often discussed the finances, the checking accounts, scary low balance, the enormous cost of the latest repair needed on our van, anticipation of when my dad's next paycheck would be deposited, and so on. They they discussed all these things openly and loudly in the presence of my sister and myself. Roles reversed. Finally, a few years later, when the house and my mother's mental health were continuing to deteriorate, and because of an overdose of medications, severe depression took its hold, and she was hospitalized during my sophomore year in high school. It was at this point I could see the roles were reversing. I now had to be an adult. My mom couldn't take care of herself, and my dad was too busy working and visiting mom in the hospital each day to cook meals or do laundry. 
My younger sister, though we did not know it at the time, was on the autism spectrum. And because of her special needs and behavioral differences, my parents never saw it necessary to hold her accountable for chores or discipline. She didn't have the chance to learn the kinds of life skills necessary for taking care of a household. Neither did I really, so I'm not quite sure how I figured it out. <laughs> but if these things were to get done, it was going to be me or nobody. And so I felt like I was robbed of many parts of my childhood. Instead of having friends over for sleepovers, I was cleaning, doing laundry and cooking and trying to find more and more excuses for why I couldn't invite friends to come over to my house. I was consumed by anxiety and guilt and shame and stuff. I was, as I said earlier, busy being a child of a hoarder. My childhood did have some nice moments. Time spent with my grandma and friends, playing my trombone in school, youth group events, climbing the trees in my yard and riding my bike. But I think the rest is tainted by the environment, both physical and, and emotional, in which I lived. As in death, one cannot gain back their childhood. It is forever lost, but the memories are permanently, permanently stamped on your brain and your heart. As in the memories of a loved one, they live on. However, unlike those of a loved one, you don't necessarily want them to. You might wish with all your strength you could have different memories to replace the ones filled with angst and trauma and complicated relationships, but that's not possible either. And now that I'm raising my own children and I directly affect their childhoods, I often feel like a piece of furniture, broken because I am missing crucial pieces. How can I support the weight of my own children when I am lacking some of my childhood quote unquote bolts that help attach my legs? How can I function as a parent without a proper childhood, one where all the pieces have been given to me to build a good foundation for my own children? In my instance, I guess you could say I called customer service for some help with these questions. My customer service is also known as my counselor. And she told me, when you are raised by people who feel broken, they make you feel broken, but you are not broken. She reiterated this reassurement several times, probably because of my look of disbelief that betrayed my feelings to the contrary. I'm obviously missing some screws here, lady. What do you mean I'm not broken? It's simple, she said. You are not broken because you are healed in Christ. Through God's grace, we are healed, no matter our past or our losses or our missing and dysfunctional pieces. We don't have to be broken by these painful and incomplete parts of our lives. In a way, we can break them. I think children like me who quote unquote, drew this short straw in some way, who are missing pieces of their childhoods, you know, children of hoarders, addicts, abusive parents, children of neglect, ne negligent parents can break the cycle of dysfunctionality. It is a difficult thing to do stopping the cycle ingrained in us, I know. I've constantly had to deal with the anxiety and depression that gained its roots in my incomplete and broken childhood, and that pops up with more frequency and potency now that I am a parent. But don't hesitate to ask for help. Call your customer service. It may only be possible through years of counseling and support from your friends and family. But remember, you are not broken. There are legs there to support you, and God will provide all the bolts. 
You are already healed and you can break the cycle. Until next time, God bless.